This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Okay, well, welcome to another edition of the uh, Forever Bristol City podcast. It's sort of like an um, international break special, I suppose. Um, but um, joining me are uh, Ian and uh, Dave. I was going to call the uh, uh, episode Crisis, What Crisis? So I'll come to each of you guys in turn. First, Dave, are we a club in crisis at the moment? Um, I guess we don't know. We're, we're certainly on a, a club on on a downward trend results-wise, aren't we? There's no doubt about that. It's really difficult to know what, what's, what's going on. I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on the, the various kind of media stuff we've we've seen over the last, the last couple of days. Um, gut feel is I don't think any of us have been um, kind of, we've heard that and thought, oh, everything's okay. So I, I think we, 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 we're, we're in a spot bother. Crisis might be too far, I don't know. Spot bother. Ian, what's your view? I think on the playing side, we're on a downward spiral, and we have been since last last season. If you take our form at the end of the last season, um, certainly our form since uh, Nigel Pearson's come through the door, and you spin that through, we're doing very, very poorly. And normally, uh, for example, Nigel Pearson's record is far worse than Chris Hutton, and Chris Hutton was sacked. Uh, so I think we're in a... a poor state um, that can be addressed if we get all of our better players on the field I think we'll, I think we'll be better than we have been we won't be brilliant but we'll be better than we have been and I suppose that's one of the questions should Nigel Pearson be getting a better tune out of these players in terms of Nigel Pearson and his uh, what's been described as extended leave uh it's impossible to know what to do until one knows how long that extended period is going to be because the clue's in the name with long COVID, um, and that's what Richard Gould said he had. Uh, long COVID can be a month, six months, and possibly forever. Yeah. So Dave, you, Dave, you, you it's, don't it's know. Good, yeah, it's a good point. Dave, um, it was interesting, one of the little snippets reading that it, they did, it looks like they did a medical on Pearson at some sort before they brought him in because they were aware of his medical condition last summer. We're talking summer 2020 when he, did, he had COVID and then the longer term ramifications of that were um, that he had some heart murmur and I think rheumatoid arthritis, that's been well documented. And there was an article in the... Uh, I think it's the Times that Henry Winter writes for that Nigel Pearson recorded um, almost exactly a year ago this week where he talked about the debilitating effects of the rheumatoid arthritis that he couldn't, that he couldn't really move and he was on certain drugs that you know maybe account for the fact that he has got COVID a second time. But it's, 
you know, has he had these underlying health problems from day one? We've not really seen the real Nigel Pearson. I mean, we don't know, but, you know, it's clearly, it's not like he's got the common cold or just got COVID for the first time. This is an ongoing thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, you, you talk there about, you know, the real Nigel Pearson. I think you never see the real Nigel Pearson in a, in a media interview because he's very guarded and very careful and very deliberate in, in what he says. And I think if you talk to, you know, or you hear things from players or, or you know, people he's managed in the past, they'll probably say that, you know, it's a front that he puts on in front of the media and he's very different. After, you know, in you know the near sanctum of the, the training ground or, or or dressing room, in terms of the you know health problems, you know I, I've got a mate who who uh, had suffers from rheumatoid arthritis and he was shockingly bad with with COVID. Oops, dog just walked past. <laughs> <laughs> so if you know if Nigel's suffering anything like him, then I you know, geez, just go and get yourself well and, you know, don't even bother about football. That's how I, I'd see it. But, you know, obviously we don't we don't know that. I think Richard Gould's comment the other night on, on 20 was, was quite a strange one because he didn't actually say Nigel's got COVID. He just talked about long COVID and didn't necessarily reference it back. Now, that might just be, you know, him not kind of saying it directly and, that, you know, implying it was, you know, saying that, that that's what he's got as fact. But uh, didn't, it was a bit of a... There were a few funny answers, weren't there, that, that kind of came out, well, which we'll talk, Richard, about, we'll which we'll talk about, about a bit a bit later on. But Richard yeah, Gould. you know, Richard Gould's interview in, in a moment. Um, Ian, yeah, um, he missed Nigel missed a couple of games back in October, which was COVID for the second time. And prior to that absence, um, we'd done okay. I think we'd won three, drawn three, lost two. I got again the impression from what was said that he's not been, he's not massively active on the uh, on the training ground anyway but I got the impression that he's been quite absent over the last uh, well the last eight matches which we've lost six out of the last eight I mean this has been bubbling under for a while don't you think and do you think it's maybe coincided with him sitting down in the director's box rather than being active on the touchline which he says you don't need to do that he's following Pat Lamb but this hasn't this not really come as a surprise to the hierarchy that are close to um well a lot closer to matters than we are what do you think i think the worst thing you can have in any business is uncertainty and it doesn't matter what that business is because uncertainty is the thing that launches the rumor mill so in the absence of clear communication you get a vacuum and that into that vacuum, that void, if you will, comes rumour. And the rumours that are flying around, some of them are quite disgusting, and I won't repeat them, certainly. Um, and I don't believe them either, so let's make that very clear. Um, so I, I, I think that's the, that's the worst part. Now, from the club's point of view, they're between a rock and a hard place. You've got everything from people saying... Sack him, which you can't do if, if someone says, I'm sorry, I've got this condition or that condition, I'm going sick. You cannot sack them. Well, you can if you want to pay off their entire contract and go to a tribunal and then possibly court and it'll cost you an awful lot of money. So what you can do is come to an agreement if that person is unwell and cannot return to work and cannot perform their duties you can pay them off. It's called a compromise agreement. So you sit in a room and say, look, you know, we need, we need you here. We can't have you here. So we have to get someone else. Um, you're on a three-year contract. Here's a year's money. How's that sound? Goodbye. And then negotiations go on around that. And off you go. The problem we've got at the moment is Nigel Pearson could walk back up at the HPC uh, next week. Yeah, and we well, that's the it, thing. or yeah, or he could yeah, yeah, or he could turn up in three months' time. Now it can't go on as it is now because it's just a vacuum, and and that is just going to make things worse for everybody concerned. Yeah, Dave, you were going to make a contribution. Yeah, I was just going to just pick up on sort of the, the sequence of events. So Richard Gould recorded. 
what I'll call a performance statement. I don't know when he recorded that, but either Sunday or early Monday. And I, I certainly, I think it started before any of the, you know, Nigel's left the club type rumours started coming out around about midday or there was a press conference called, et cetera. And that, that interview had a, a very different feel to it, to the, to the 20 and one later on, on on Monday evening. And it, you know, it was all about, we're not doing as well as we should be, you know, we're working hard, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it, I think it was like 12 or 13 minute YouTube video. He didn't actually mention Nigel Pearson until about six or seven minutes in. So that was definitely the objective of that, that club video it was almost, I, I think, to do a bit of a, let's get on the front foot. Um, my predecessor always went into hiding when, when things were bad. I'm going to show that actually I'm happy to front up when, when things aren't going well. So I think there was a massively different purpose to this. And it's my, my reading of it, you know, so I you know, might, yeah. be, might be wider the mark. But then I think lots of things happened. He'd already agreed probably to go on Jeff Twentyman and, and give a performance up view. Then it all kicks off. And then all of a sudden, the whole focus of, of, of the early part of Jeff's interview was, was Nigel Pearson. So I, I think events might have caught him on the hop a bit. I don't think he was intending to go on Jeff Twentyman to talk about Nigel Pearson. Not, not, not as the main focal. But no, I that's heard, view, anyway. and that's not rumor. But somebody said to me, or I think it was documented somewhere that they actually asked if he could go on Jeff Twentyman because people were calling for the chairman to make a statement. And I have to say, within twelve, within three minutes of seeing Richard on or hearing Richard on the Jeff Twentyman um, uh, show, I texted somebody and said, "This is like listening to a politician talking." And you've just used a phrase that all politicians use: "We're working very hard." And hearing Richard Gould talk about the niceties of front foot forward high press football was, you know, it sounded like us on a bad day. You know, when we're a bit foggy. Picking up on what you said, Ian, um, about sacking Steve Lansdowne is a man of honour. Uh, if you look at performance. And what you said about Chris Hewton, based on performances since he's been here and managerial sacking, sackings that have been happening aplenty in recent weeks, they would almost be justified after the Coventry game in saying, this isn't working, yeah? They're not going to do that because the optics of that now would look dreadful. Your point, Ian, about payoffs and what have you, is you, well, before we say payoffs, he could walk back in after the international break, but the club haven't said that. Nobody said that. So we're in this vacuum of uncertainty. But the other thing, he would be on, I would imagine, some form of occupational sick pay scheme, yeah, where he'd be on full pay for three months and half pay for a further three months. And it's at that point that you would take, it's at that point that you would take a longer term decision because. If we have, if not we, it's nothing to do with us. If the board have utmost confidence in Nigel to deliver the project, then, and he is ill and you can't put a, a time frame on it, but to give him six months off maybe is what this long COVID needs. Yeah. And, but then we come back to the question, which I put a thread on uh, OTIB the other day. Well, Friday, I, uh, Sunday, I put about Neil Warnock and then I put, on OTIB uh, yesterday, if City were a company, and of course they are a company, but if City were a normal trading company in the real world of business, you know, you would bring in an interim to sort out the problem and you'd probably over-recruit or you'd bring in somebody whose expectation of having the job full-time wasn't there. So, Ian, first of all to you, at what point do we look at the an interim solution or do we just press on with Mountain, Fleming and uh, Ball, uh, local firm of solicitors, in terms of custodians of our championship status? Ian, interim option. It depends on results. If Nigel was away and we won the next three games, all the pressure's off. Yeah. If Nigel's away and we lost the next two, huge amount of pressure because at that point we're probably 
going to be either just above or in the bottom three, depending on Reading's points deduction taking effect. So the person we would have to get would have to, certain criteria would have to apply. They'd have to be unemployed. Yeah. They'd have to be immediately available. They'd have to want to come. Uh, they'd have to be uh, feasible, in other words, affordable. So when people start talking about Frank Lampard and people like that, forget it. It's I not don't think Frank Lampard would want to come, to be honest, because I think it's a basket case for somebody like well, him if it goes wrong. Well, well um, he's talking to Norwich, we're, we're led to believe, by people like Sky. Um, what... It, it, it's an imponderable situation because until you know how long Pearson's going to be off and you that cannot be known. And the other thing, as I understand it, and I was talking to somebody with long COVID yesterday, is that you you recover and you think, yeah, I, 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 I'm feeling a bit better. And then you dip again. And that's the difficult part. So it unless... Nigel's going to be right quickly, and I'll, I'll call quickly two weeks. Um, you know, as, as, as Dave's just commented, look, look at what happened with Steve Costrell at Shrewsbury. You know, he was, he, would, he was back, then he had to go back to hospital again, I think. And it's one of those, it's absolutely imponderable. So when Jeff Twenty was saying, well, when's Nigel going to be back? No one knows. It's like saying how long's a piece of string. They just... They've got no idea. So before someone would have to meet all of those criteria and want to be here, and the only bloke I can think of, to be honest, would be either, well, I thought of threat two, really, Alex Neal, the ex-Preston boss, and, um, um, and, and Neil Warnock, that was, who actually lives in Cornwall. So, yeah. you know, would he want to come? And the other big thing, and I'll make this point quickly, then I'll get off, is... It, it depends how people who have been sacked are being paid off. Because years ago, you got the sack, you got your contract paid up and off you went into the sunset. And you can either have, rules are different for footballers, you can either have an ex, ex gratia payment, you can have all the money put in a pension fund that you can draw when, you're, when you retire from playing, um, and several other ways. These days, they basically say, look, I'll pay you your salary till you find another job. Yeah. And... and if you're on four million a year, you're not going to come down here for half a million. Well, no, that's that's true. And Neil Warnock certainly wasn't that. I mean, Dave, your thoughts on the uh, the interim option? Because I think you put on the text yeah. here, they must be contingency planning, and and part of that contingency planning, you know, you you would be putting your man, your key man, which Nigel Person is, you'd be getting a proper medical opinion. You wouldn't be waiting for him to come back because Richard Gould said in that interview, um, we want Nigel to come back. And Jeff quite rightly said, does he want to, does he want to come back? Or worse to that effect. And he said, and Gould said, we really hope he does. So it's almost, you know, the two parties have got to come together. But yeah, we got a week off, and then there's three games in eight days, which are three tough games, two playoff contenders, and Sheffield United away, yeah, is at what point does interim become an option? And I, I think you're, you're right, and you know, it's just basically, you know, continuing on what, what Ian said, really, as you say, your, your scenario planning, and, and against each of those scenarios, you're putting a, a set of criteria about when, when you trigger that that plan, you know, and that, that plan might be, we're, you know, we're going to look at this at the end of this week, because the the boys are back in training on Monday and that's the point when we might need to put part one in place. And that might be Curtis becomes the, you know, de facto manager, Alex Ball, Khalifa Cisse and Pat Mountain coach, and they're joined by someone else. Or that plan might be, we bring in, I don't know, I'll, I'll come up with a crazy thing, you know, Brian Tinian comes in as man, you know, that those are the things. And then it might be actually we're, we can, we'll go with that. And then, as Ian says, you get a couple of bad results and that triggers the next phase, which is this can't go on any longer. We need to do something something else. And, and those are the bits we don't know. And I, and I think 
I guess you know Richard Gould's between a bit of a rock and a hard place on on Monday <coughs> night in terms of he can't really say too much because he just doesn't know what the what what the long term you know the short term long term is if that if that makes sense um, or maybe he does but actually he can't broadcast that out to the to, to the fans either because of you know privacy and all those kind of things so I I think it, it was a really difficult one to you know the fact that he requested to go on the show maybe he requested to go on a show before even you know the rumour started and then you can't back down on it so maybe he was going but on there purely to talk about there, performance instead of about going on the show because Jeff people were asking Jeff Twentyman on Saturday night after the Coventry debacle oh you need to get the chairman come on or somebody come on and speak and if it had been pre-planned he'd have said well actually We've got uh, Richard Gould coming on Sounds of the City. So it looked yeah. like Monday was, dare I say, a clusterfuck of rumour and goodness knows yeah. what else, because at one stage there was stuff going on air, uh, that there was a press conference at one o'clock, which proved to be yeah. just an unfounded rumour, or four, five o'clock, sorry, Dave. Yeah, yeah, no, so certainly Jeff, Jeff Twentyman tweeted at midday that Richard Gould was coming on, which was before... A lot of the other rumours started, so you must have heard that sometime in the morning that Richard Gould wanted to come on and, and, and agree to it. So, to say we don't know the sequence of events, but you know, I, I honestly, you know, my view is I, I think Richard Gould was wanted to go on there to back up the video that he'd recorded, and then other events happened that made it kind of go off at a bit of a tangent. Yeah, the, the but, interim though, I mean, some people said the day Neil Warnock runs this club is the day that I'll stop watching City. If you look at a CV that's fit for purpose and available, and somebody said, well, why not bring in Daniel Fark? You know, Daniel Fark has not done a relegation battle in the championship. Neil Warnock's expectation beyond the summer, because you could say this season's a write-off, which in many City fans' uh, minds it was going to be. It was a season of consolidation. Nigel, take off until the summer, yeah, Let's bring in a man that can sort it. Now, if Nigel come the end of February suddenly feels better, well, you know, you can't really have Nigel Pearson, Neil Warnock running the side. But, you know, Neil Warnock, do you think he would be a viable, albeit in some fans' eyes, unpalatable option to get us out? And you, you first, Dave, and then I'll come to you here with the same question. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short and then let Ian have his view. For, for me, he's a viable option. For me, he's also an unpalatable option. I, I've got a lot of time for Neil Warnock and what he's done in football, and I've got other parts of me that despise what he's done in football. I, I, I don't want him here. There you go. End of story. Over so, to you. Yeah. But Alex Neil coming, he's an ambitious manager anyway. Yeah. You know, his, you know he'd expect it to be on a... Well, I don't know. Would he come... Ian, your views on... on uh, Neil Warner, unpalatable but fit for purpose. I think I think the important statement is fit for purpose, and you don't necessarily want Mr. Wright. You want Mr. Wright now. And when we talk about the short, medium, and long term, if you ask three different people, what time scale short, medium, and long term covers, I'm sure you get three different answers from a lot of the fan base. Um, short term in football can be tomorrow. Uh, so I think Warnock meets all the criteria. He's not, a, let's be honest, he's not a massive departure from Pearson. Um, he's taken sides up to the Premier League. If you look at the football we're playing, and I, I don't, that's one thing that Richard said that he shouldn't have done about when Jeff asked him about the identity. It wasn't a fair question for Richard Gould because that's a question you ask of the coach, the football people. And Richard won't, wouldn't ever say to you, yeah, I control all the coaching, because he doesn't. That's not what he does. Um, and having met him recently and spent some time with him, um, I can tell you now he's not another Mark Ashton. Now, and I think that's a really good thing. Uh, and, and the more I look at the accounts, and Dave's been kind enough to give me some updated information um, the more I think that he's a much he's a much better guy. I mean, this is a man who was in charge at Somerset and was very successful in, in charge at Surrey. And I know that's cricket, but he was 
also on the shortlist to take over at the, the, the ECB. Now, that's a really senior level job and very important. So this guy is no mug. So let's get out of the way. In terms of Warnock, yes, I would have him. And let's say you brought Warnock in and did your six-month scenario. You said, look, Neil, Nigel needs to get well. Will you take over to the end of the season? He comes in and you either almost get promoted or get to the playoffs or <laughs> let's, let's go to Fantasy Island now. You get promoted. What are you going to do with that? Turn around and say, sorry, no, you've got to go now. Nigel's coming back. So it's a it's it's an impossible it's an impossible situation. It is. No, it is. Dave, what were you trying to chip in there to say? Uh, yeah. to... I think just backing up what, what Ian said. I think for, for me, Richard Gould, whether he whether he answered some of the questions that well or not, I think Richard Gould is behaving and acting like a CEO should. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah, like a footballer, not like a footballer wannabe. And, and 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 I guess you know this this probably goes back to a point I've probably raised a thousand times over the Forever Bristol City podcast, and and that's I think we are missing that link between the football management side and the board, and and, and the CEO, and you know I I don't really care much for for role titles, you know, because as soon as I say something like director of football, someone will say, well Nigel Pearson don't want to deal with agents, and and I think you can just scope that role out to be whatever you want it to be. You know, for example, Keith Burt, although he had recruitment, he also managed the whole playing budget as well. And I, and I think that's what we're missing, someone in there that will provide us with that continuity. So we talk about Warnock, and, and Ian's right, you know, football style-wise, you might think that Warnock and Pearson are a million miles apart. And actually, that might be a good fit for the, for the interim. But what we need to have is that person who says, when Nigel Pearson isn't here, Who's our con- who do we bring in to keep that continuity? So Pearson has obviously sold a project to Lansdowne and Lansdowne's bought, bought it. Therefore, you need some continuity of that project. So you need to make sure that the person you bring in fits where you're trying to go with this club. Okay, we all have strategies that you know follow some bumps in the road and you have to kind of deviate away from them short term before you bring them back on. And maybe that's what Warnock, Warnock does. Um, but we need to think about what the, the, the long-term aim is, is here and try and find the fit that gets us back on that track as quickly as possible. And that might be no Nigel Pearson. I don't know. Sorry, Ian, you, you want to jump in? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's... Um, if, if you... If you are... Um, <laughs> oh, I did a Nigel then, didn't I? A little laugh. Um, <laughs> I, it, you got to roll I your eyes we, as well. you got to roll your eyes as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, Steve Lansdowne's got what I consider to be a vision and a dream. The difficulty has always been in us getting there. And I can understand everything that he's doing off the field, Steve Lansdowne. I get that. It's the on the field bit where I think we're falling down. We, we haven't got an identity. We're playing awful football. It's some of the worst that I've seen. I described um, some of the games recently as unwatchable. And um, I, I say we, we had a discussion with um, Gary Hours and Jeff, and, and Gary said, "Well, I wouldn't say it was unwatchable, but if you're a fan, you're paying a lot of money. It is." Um, uh, so the club, be uh, the description that I've read in a number of places, is that the club's in limbo at the moment, and it is. We're trading water, and we're unsuccessfully trading water because we're losing games of football. And we're not playing very well. And the, the style of football is whoosh. Now, as I've said a million times, uh, and I got criticised for talking about sticking Jason, uh, sorry, Robbie Cundy up front. What I actually said was, if we're going to play whoosh football, particularly when you're chasing a game and you're a goal down in the last 20 minutes, if you're going to play like that, and, and it's not how I like to play, but if you're going to play like it, as we did with a, uh, Aiden Flynn many times, last 20 minutes, stick him up front if you're going to bomb it. Now, th- that to me seems quite sensible, moreover than bringing on Naki Wells and bombing the ball three feet wow. above his head to a seven-foot tall centre-back. Now, that is, 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 is my point. So what I'm saying is I don't think the football would be any worse under Warnock 
and we might actually execute execute it better because Warnock always had plans. I mean, don't get me wrong, I didn't like watching his teams particularly. Uh, he has had some good teams. I mean, QPR were a decent team when they had Tarat and all the rest of it. Um, but and he has got unfashionable teams. Or, you know, we're not talking Man United and these, but teams like Sheffield United, um, Cardiff, um, QPR, he has got them up and in some cases kept them up. Yeah. So I don't think we should dismiss the bloke out of hand. Uh, and perhaps he, and, and it, listen, he's 70 odd, so he's not the long term solution. No, no. And but, neither but, would he expect to come come on there. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a cheapskate here. I've got, I, I, I was trying to upgrade to pro in this uh, Zoom meeting. So we've only got seven minutes, which uh, is, uh, is uh, enough almost to wrap up on this. Um, Dave, um, Nigel, uh, Nigel, Richard Gould talked about they re aligned their January transfer thinking. Yeah, so they've got some thinking. Um, the window opens. There's eight matches between now and uh, when um, the transfer window uh, opens. Um, what, are your, uh, what are your thoughts on what Richard Gould had to say on the uh, transfer uh, activity? And, you know, who, who are they buying? You know, is it what Nigel wants? Is it what yeah, it's, it's all a bit flaky, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think just you know before I answer that, the the bit that kind of precludes that or precedes that is Richard Gould talked about our wage bill, and you know let's let's not necessarily focus purely on wages to kind of talk about the you know the cost base of the club. And Ian, you'll know from the, the spreadsheet I sent you yesterday that our cost base is too high. Hopefully, you know Nigel Pearson's cut ten or twelve million off that. Already this season, or we'll do throughout the, throughout the season, but we had we had a cost base of like 59, 60 million, and that's twice as much as the kind of teams that Richard Gould was talking about. You know, your Coventry, your Lutons, um, maybe not so much Birmingham, uh, but you know, Millwall. They all run on Coventry, Millwall, Luton, all all yeah, of the table. They yeah. get a far greater bang for their buck than than what we do. We have become a wasteful spender of money in this in, you know at, at Bristol City and, and I think one of the things that I've been tracking for like three or four years is that we always get this talk oh you know what a great you know what a well-run club we are we've got world-class this we're leaders in this and and I don't think we are we might have a beautiful training ground we might have a lovely ground that's the infrastructure everything related to the playing side is is far from being world-class because we waste money and that's now hamstringing it. Hamstrung Dean Holden to some extent last last January in the window, and it's certainly hamstrung Nigel Pearson in terms of contract renewals in the summer and then signings in the summer. And I think we're going to have to be a bit clever to be able to manufacture some money to be able to to go out there and make drastic changes to to the squad. We might bring forward some of those George Tanner type signings that we we had um, in the in the summer. I, I would imagine. Imagine we're looking to bring forward those types of things rather than go out there and spend five or six million on a centre forward. That's that's my expectation. What do you think? Yeah, I think well, we've been linked today. Uh, this is for next summer with a guy called Tom Flanagan at Sunderland, who's a six foot two defender. In the consensus consensus of opinion amongst the Sunderland fans, is uh, I'll drive him down there for you if you want. So uh, he's he's not getting uh, he's not getting rave reviews. Um, guys. 29, six foot two, uh, played yeah. two, 205 games, 37 as a sub, got 11 goals. And apparently he is having a good season, but according to the Sunderland fans, um, this is his first is, good season. Is he having a good season, Ian? I mean, Sunderland got through to the quarterfinals of uh, the Caribou, but they lost to Bradford in the uh, Papa John Trophy on penalties last night. They lost to uh, Mansfield at home in the FA Cup, and they've lost... Uh, three in a row in the league. And the little Lee is, uh, well, he's playing Ipswich this weekend. Um, he could be out on his ear. Now, there's a thought, you know, would Lee Johnson come back? He knows all the players. He could help us uh, get out of relegation. He's got a track, he's got a track record of doing it. 
uh, yeah, with with largely with somebody else's players, and it was in some ways you could argue it was a little bit downhill from there. But no, I I don't think that's a possibility. But do I think Lansdowne would do it? Yeah, I yeah. think he would. Let's come on to that. Let's develop that. Let's just have a quick natural break now, just so I can uh, we can re. Okay, uh, just before that little uh, natural break, uh, Ian said he wouldn't rule out the possibility if a certain LJ got the bullet from Sunderland within the next uh, 10 days, which uh, after their latest uh, exit from the FA Cup and the Papa John's Trophy and three league defeats on the back, although they are in the Caribou Cup quarterfinals, LJ coming back, you, you, you steady and that's a possibility, yeah? And a real possibility. Nice. No, I didn't actually. I didn't actually say that. I said I could see Steve Lansdowne doing it. All right. If, if if it was if it was my decision, absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, because no, I wouldn't. Is is the simplest way of putting it. But if Steve Lansdowne needed somebody, and Lee Johnson, once again, depending on how he was being paid off, um, then uh, I, I could see Steve Lans, Steve or John Lansdowne doing it. Yeah. Dave, what do you think I, of that? What do you think of that outrageous suggestion? Um, I, I guess my 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 kind of thought on it is, I would be happier to have seen Lee Johnson operate without Mark Ashton. I think they were a dangerous combination together, and now Mark Ashton isn't there. There is possibly you'd see a different a different Lee Johnson. I think you know. Go back to my you know point that I keep making I think if you get the right person footballing person between the manager whether that be Lee Johnson and or someone else and the board I think you have a fighting chance of moving this club forward at a quicker rate than without yeah so not not impossible okay we started to talk about um the 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 January transfer window um Again, it, you know, everything we're talking about, really, is all speculation. Let's look at facts. You know, we've lost six out of the last eight. We've been looking at things in batches of six games, yeah? Um, if you look at the next six that are coming up, yeah, which takes us to the halfway stage in the season, right? You know, and we don't know. We might know something on Nigel by next weekend. We might not know anything until the next three games in eight days are out of the way. But we've really got to be going into that halfway stage of the season with 25 points to give us a fighting chance of amassing a similar number of points in the second half of the season. I mean, if you, do you Dave, do you look at the fixture list that's coming up with trepidation? We said it's uh, Blackburn, Stoke home, Sheffield United away, Derby home, Holloway, and then um, uh, Huddersfield at home. You know, all clubs... Well, the second half of that batch are in and around us, but it's critical. Something drops, isn't it? We get some points on the board. Yeah, definitely. I think you, I always say that we're we're never a team that are, you know, certainly it's current guys that are going to go out there and stuff a team. So I never go into any game thinking, well, there's an easy three points for us because we don't do that. I almost kind of see us a bit like a we're a one-all side. And if we play okay, we might sneak the win. If we play badly, we'll 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 lose the game. And I think that's kind of where we are at the moment. So we could pick up points in those. We need to certainly improve the way we're 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 playing at the moment. Um, I guess some of that you might you might say, well, let's let's have a look at the team that put out against Coventry, and then let's compare it to perhaps what Nigel Pearson's potentially best side might might be. And I'll. I'll, I'll I'll just kind of be a bit divisive in what I, what I say here. The team that he picked against Blackpool on the opening day of the season, which probably barring an injury to um, Joe. Joe Williams is probably not far off his, his best side. You might make an, a, a case for it. Well, maybe Masengo should be in there, but it was forget the keeper because the keeper is going to probably be constant for this. You had Viner right back, Baker, Atkinson, De Silva, Viner, James, um, King, O'Dowd who came off early for Palmer and then you had Scott Martin against Coventry the core six that I call the back four and the two central midfielders 
were completely different. So that, that back six had changed. So that, that's something to just bear in mind. I think there was a, something on OTIB yesterday or day before saying, I've spoken to an academy coach and, and he reckons that, you know, he's kind of toxic and he, he should be playing the youngsters. Well, the midfield on Saturday, including the kind of defensive midfield, was 23-year-old Backington, 20-year-old Masengo and 18-year-old Alex Scott. So from to my mind, that's a load of crap. So, but what I guess the point I'm, I'm trying to make is, in a kind of roundabout way, is on Saturday, we didn't have Joe Williams. We didn't have Rob Atkinson. We didn't have Nathan Baker. We didn't have Antoine Semenya. We didn't have Matty James. We didn't have um, Andy King. We had six players who you could quite conceivably say would feature in the 11, not all of them necessarily at the same time, but probably four of those six would probably feature in every 11 given given a, a choice. So yeah. we were actually quite under strength in some respects, albeit not as under strength and not be able to go out there and, and beat 10 men in the second half. So I think there, I think we need to just see who's back fit when we go to Blackburn or when we, when we entertain Blackburn on the, on the yeah. 20th. And we might have an indication there where we're, the little niggly injuries are, t- are clearing up and we've used the international break well or not. Um, and I think that'll be an indication, but I'm, I am a one game at a man time day. So apologies on not really predicting what we're going to get from six. Yeah. Yeah. Ian, what do you, what do you think? I mean, we've got to get, you know, the next six games, six points puts us on 25, half the season gone. You know, it doesn't get any easier because there's a few games then over the Christmas New Year period. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, it, well, there's no easy games in this division, but can you see the, the side mustering six points or will this downward spiral, this spirit that seems to have disappeared against uh, Coventry, do you, do you see that con- continuing? Who's going who's gonna to lift their spirits? You know, because that's the thing, isn't it? Who's going to lift them? Well, if you're saying to me, do I think we can pick up six points from six games? Yes, we yes we can. Um, when I look at the next three, I can't see us any getting any more than a point. Yeah. Um, and but coming back to what Dave said, yes, it, it if we can get our best eleven on the field, and I think I uh, tweeted a, a team shape because I got accused of being wise after the event. I I tweeted a team shape with three six I think it was three six one uh type formation but with attacking midfield players if you can get uh Baker Atkinson in Callas and Bentley that those four should be in for my opinion should be in any starting 11 um and then it, it, we haven't really well we have got a right winger down here we could play Saikujana but when Semenyo's fit, he can play wide right. Odauda can play wide left. Then you've got Williams, James, Masengo in the middle. Uh, and then you're looking up front. And if you're going to play football, you could go Vyman-Wells. You can go Martin-Wells, Martin-Vyman. And then you've got the younger players. He's, he's thrown Lewis Britton under a bus. He's under there with Taylor Moore and pretty much Casey Palmer. Um. So I think we've got that, that to me, if we could get that, that side out against all those teams in all those six games, I'd probably fancy us to get more than six points. Well, that's interesting. I, well, we've been talking about well, Hang on, hang right. on. Well, what, 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 I'm, what I'm not seeing at the moment is a consistent, well, consistent selection. So we had huge injury problems last season and we seem to be picking up injury problems this season. I'm very concerned about uh, Nathan Baker, Joe Williams in particular. I mean, Joe Williams has done one 90-minute game in 18 months. Um, and a lot of people are saying, well, when we get Joe back, well, yeah, but when's he yeah. coming back? I, I have to say, it, I think I think Joe is the key one to get back because Andy King's been in and outside. We don't know when he's coming back. Matty James looks out. Now, here's an interesting one while we've been on... Uh, well, hang, hang on a minute. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang, hang on, let me say, finish. No, let me finish. How can you say um, Williams is, is the key it's one? Up on OTIB. It's just come up on OTIB that Joe Lowe, who's been on Mona Eastley, has been recalled with immediate effect. And he is yeah. a centre-half, yeah? Does that mean that your much-called-for Cundy is 
still not in fit. What's the rationale behind that, guys? Well, they've recalled they've recalled him because he's only played eight games in four months. That's why he's been recalled. And he's okay. a kid. He's he's a he's one of the tallest ones down there. I mean, he's giant. He's about six four, but he's a kid. So I would I would it could mean that Kundi hasn't recovered from his operation because when they had a oh look who we've got back in training type video on the website, uh, conspicuous by their absence were James Semenyo Kundi. Uh, Andy King, we know, is out until um, December at the earliest because he's, he's had a hamstring operation. So, but but you can't very well say, well, for me, Williams is the key one to bring back because we haven't seen we haven't really seen him play. So we saw him against Peter Bruce, very good, um, and then he pulled up after about was it fifteen minutes against Bournemouth or something like that. So. You, you can't really, we don't know until those players play together. A lot of us are saying, well, the same go James Williams. That's a decent midfield. But we don't know how well they'll gel and how well they'll play together and how you get three of them on the field. Mm. So, and, and, and you don't do it by playing Masengo or Williams wide. I'll tell you that now. No, because they don't, or Scott for that matter, because that went well. Dave, you're, uh, you were chipping in there. Yeah, I guess just on on Joe Lowe, as Ian said, he's he's played eight games. He hasn't actually been in in the in the starting lineup for the last four or four. Sorry, something something's going off here. I don't know That's right. Somebody's trying to call you on uh, Skype. Skype, by the sound of it. Yeah, I, can't even, I can't see any any device. So, sorry. Um, yeah. So I, I I would imagine that it's lack of game time, and it, I would imagine he'll be going back out on loan somewhere else. Would be my guess. You you don't you don't have Atkinson, Baker, Callas, and Viner sent backs, and bring back Joe Lowe, in my opinion, to provide cover because I think we've got enough centre backs there. If you were going to bring back a centre back from a loan from a national league club, you'd probably bring back Riley Taylor, wouldn't you? If you were thinking yeah, that, yeah, that was the next name I was going to say. Okay, so I, I, I okay. Think yeah. more more hypothetical stuff. Um, hmm. Let's assume that Nigel is back in charge for the Blackburn game, right? Let's assume that he comes back. Let's assume that the side that starts the Blackburn game or the availability is Ben Ingle, yeah? Tanner at right back, Callas, Atkinson, yeah? That's the start, then question mark, whether you put Pring or De Silva in. Let's assume Matty James is available, Um I'm going to assume that Joe Williams isn't. But no, let's give him the benefit of that. Joe Williams is, and Masengo, and then Scott. Do, do we continue... Well, and we continue persisting with Chris Martin up front, yeah? But let's say Nigel comes back and we draw against Blackburn, lose at home to Stoke, and lose at Sheffield United. So that's sort of uh, one point from a possible nine with Nigel back at the helm and saying, I am fit for purpose, you then look at it, then that's, what is it, eight defeats in 11 games, yeah? Right? It, the, the future of the club or the future of this season is going to be decided before the end of, uh, before the, end of the month in some respects, isn't it? Yeah. Or the future of this season. Dave? No. I, I think you've. I, I think you know we can put hypothetical scenarios out there. I, you know, people might disagree with me, but I, I thought our first eight nine games of the season were were okay. I thought we were competitive. In most games, we'd kept opposition shots down. Luton was a bit of a um, was the first game where we started to concede too many shots, but we looked pretty pretty solid. And I actually thought in those games. We played some okay football as well. I'm not saying we were great, but we were kind of a bit attritional. We we played when we could. We we went long when we when we had to. And I thought there was a a general mix about the way we played. And I'm not going to go too much into the kind of players, but we had a back four in those games that was Viner at right back. You know, debate discuss. Callas um, and Atkinson, and we had Baker at left back. And although we didn't play great football, I, you know, people say, oh, we don't play great. Sorry, we, we repeat that. Oh, if you play Baker left back, you don't play great football. 
I thought we'd play some pretty good stuff against Cardiff, for example, away from home with that back four. We had Prings, yeah. a kind of physical, energetic left midfielder. He needs to refine a little bit of form as, as, as well. And then we went King and King and James, Masengo on the right, and then we played Vyman off of off of Martin. I'm not saying that's the side you have to pick, but there are some fundamentals in that side which said a strong back four, a physical back four, no need to worry about aerial threat because you've got four six foot pluses across your back four now you might say okay tanner can come in for viner or or whatever but i think we need to go back to a bit of basics and look at what was working better you know in the first half of this season up against what's happened recently and i think we've been all over the shop in some of the recent recent in the first games. nine get the first eight and nine games it was yeah it was, right, it was we? okay but yeah you know we got some wins but we weren't well some of the wins that we got QPR away what a great it was great to win that game but you know it wasn't a convincing performance and that's the thing Ian you put your hand up there I said the next three games be it Pearson in charge or if it's Fleming if it goes a bit bad that's say two points out of nine yeah, or one point out of nine. You know, the problems get even bigger, don't they? Well, a lot of people were talking about making a change before any of the um, illness concerns or health concerns around Nigel Pearson came out. So lots of people were talking about that already. And it went from, I would, I'd call it a disapproval rating with Pearson, went from about 10, 12% to, I'd say, somewhere around 30 35, yeah. lots of people, you know, calling for his head and looking at his record and his record's dreadful. There's no, there's no running away from it. It's poor. Um, so one thing that we have to stop, and this has been the case pretty much since the start of the season, the first game I really noticed it. Well, I noticed it first game of the season against Blackpool. Uh, and that was a game we should have won um, based on our first half performance. At QPR, I noticed it a lot more is how susceptible we are to crosses in wide areas because we defend so narrowly. It's unbelievable. And any side that's in trouble has to do, or wants to attack us has to do one thing, and that's ping it right to left. And you will always find um, the wide left or the wide right player in at least, I would say, 10, 15 yards of space. So they got the chance they can bring the ball down. Uh, they can do what they want. They go on a run. They can do what they want with it. And the number of times that we're overloaded, um, both flanks. I mean, somebody was criticising George Tanner. George Tanner uh, was, is up against three players some weeks. And the support he gets from midfield is awful. So that's something that we need to... Um, that's something that we need to um, sort out as a, as a tactical thing. And I can't understand why our analysts and the managers haven't come up with something to say, no, hang, wait a minute, we, we need, and our width going forward isn't great. It was better on uh, Saturday with O'Dowder playing, but we, we don't seem to have width in defence uh, or width in attack. And we allow so many balls to come in the penalty area that you're almost something's bound to happen, even if it's by accident. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dave, you've said, do we think rumours of player motivation might in some part be because Nigel isn't there rather than because he doesn't motivate? Maybe we need him to motivate them. I mean, the players, even in this conversation we've had today, seem to be, you know, we're absolving them of all blame. You know, there's some experienced pros in that side there. Yeah. And, um, as I say, you know, Dan Bentley always kicks it long. Callas, I don't want to be a leader, but stepping up. You know, how, how culpable are the players in this? And, you know, this absence of Nigel from the training ground over recent weeks, you know, is that is that not helping or are the two uh, related, Dave? Yes, it's, I guess it's just another kind of potential theme, isn't it? That, you know, as I say, there's, there's been lots of talk about, you know, the, the players look disinterested, the players aren't doing this, you know, therefore it must be Nigel's fault that he's not motivating them. And, and I guess with all these things, you can sometimes flip that argument back on its head and until 
the club media video that they, they put out on Monday, I don't think any of us, apart from knowing that he missed some games, were under the impression that he wasn't at the training ground very much either. And, and, and that's kind of a bit of new news to us. And I think, you know, there, there might be an argument that says, actually, the reason why the players are lacking, let's not say motivation, let's say lacking direction, is actually because Nigel's not there to give them that clarity and direction. And, you know, I'm putting a massive two and two together. <coughs> Maybe in those weeks where he's been not very present, the expectation was that um, Paul Simpson and Keith Downing would step up to the plate and maybe they haven't. Hence, you know, Curtis Fleming coming in, and and then subsequently being, you know, given a full time position, and both of the two ex assistant head coaches being surplus to requirements. Now, I don't know whether they wanted to go, whether they were told to go. I, I don't know, but yeah. you know, I, I, you know, I'm just putting lots of twos and twos together here, and probably getting interesting. You said that I read this wasn't rumor. I read somewhere, and I can't think where it was. Simpson has been assisting in the coaching in recent weeks as well, which at least means we're getting more out of him off the field than we are on it. And you know, say, you say, no, Simpson, Danny Simpson, Danny, you know, the fullback. Oh, sorry, yeah, okay, yeah, would make sense, you know. Um, understand he's a, a very kind of big influence on kind of match days with players like George Tanner and you know, just general chivying people up I think he's you know a good egg on that side of the, the fence mm. Mm. no it's difficult I mean again you know we're, we're just speculating 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 at the moment we don't know and so we've got a free week it's good to have a little break uh, from uh, everything um, any other topic we want to talk about before we uh, wrap up um, you know the account should be out so I think that might be a stark uh, warning for everybody. Well, Ian first, then you, Dave, and then we'll wrap it because I've got my day job to do straight after. So, Ian, any topic and maybe the accounts, you know, which will bring into focus every everybody that how bad the finances are. Yeah, I think the, the it's vital that we see them. The only problem is over the last few years, they've come out every time from October to January. So um, I, I have written to Richard Gould and said, can you let me know when the accounts are coming out, please? Uh, because Richard is going to come on the Forever Bristol City podcast and have a chat. And unlike uh, Jeff Twentyman, I think we'll be asking him about things he, he should be all over, like the accounts, like finance, like availability of money, financial fair play, that kind of thing. The other thing I wanted to touch on was the January window and what everybody thinks we need. Now, um, I think we need three players. I think we need a holding midfield player because we haven't really got one. And, and in my mind, I'm seeing Khalifa Cissé. Uh, I, we need a creative central midfield player who can also get goals. Now, for, on some occasions, that might be Alex Scott, uh, but I don't see him playing three games a week. I don't think that's fair. Uh, and the sort of player I'm seeing in my mind is is Brian Tinian. Um and we also need a centre-forward. And if we continue playing in a similar vein with two up front, um, we need a Kiefer Moore type yeah. player or a Michael Smith type player. Now, if we're going to play cosmic football, then you can get somebody who's quick, strong, preferably left-sided because all our um, forwards are, are right-footed. Uh, so... I'd like to see those come in. Now, they, they can come in. We don't need to buy them. In fact, if for any reason we had an interim manager, it would be a good idea if we didn't buy them and we loaned them because then if, the if say, Nigel Pearson comes back in, you know, next season, those players wouldn't necessarily be here. So what does everybody think we need in, in January? And I think that would be something that's possible to do um, you utilising the loan system. Mm, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I'd like, I guess, depends on what we need. If, if we look across the squad, we've got a group of 30-plusers taking up a, a big proportion of minutes, and we've got a big group of 23s and unders um, taking up the minutes. Bar your goalkeeper, who's 28, 
and Thomas Callas, who's 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 twenty eight. You've got no one in that middle ground earning any minutes. So we're talking about our Palmers, our O'Dowders, you know, pe- people like that. And I think therein lies the the question is, you know, certainly with things that have been happening in terms of match day selection with people like Palmer being left out, O'Dowder being in the 18, but then being not used on the bench. Uh, you know, people like Eamon Benarus getting on the pitch instead of him in a in a kind of crunch game against against Barnsley. You know, you, you wonder whether that's just sowing some seeds for, you know, O'Dowder's contract runs out in the summer, got a year option, Palmer's still got 18 months. Like, but you wonder whether it's a bit of a early positioning of get in touch with your agents, guys, because we, we're going to try and trade you somehow. You know, God yeah. knows how we do it in terms of, you know, wages and fees with, with a couple of these players. But I wonder whether we might be starting to kind of line things up to say, actually, Richard Gould said, we're not getting value out of every pound we're spending. And I would suggest, in, you know, I'm using two examples there, we ain't getting the value from those two players at, at all. And in yeah. contract situation, I don't think you're going to give Callum O'Dowder, you're not going to exercise his year option on his current wage. You'll be doing, you, if you do want to keep him, you'll be trying to do an Andy Vyman type, type deal where you say, I want you to take a wage cut commensurate to where where we are with you know the current finances of the club if you want to if you want to stay beyond this summer so that might that will probably yeah. if anything that happened that will influence what what we do I think loans I think depends on who they are I, I think if it's certain players you might want to think this is a loan with an option to buy that's what I prefer and then you can see how they do you know but let's not let's not do a Lee Tomlin let's not do a Casey Palmer let's not do an Adam Matthews let's Make sure that if, if they are good when they play for us, they're going to be good when when they sign for us as well. Yeah, I think- yeah Tony Tony Dinnin was another one. That was, <laughs> that, that was a classic. He was brilliant until he signed the contract, and that was the last we saw them. Well, Liam so Walsh. I, think- I mean, he's not exactly pulling up trees over at Swansea, is he? Because he's even yeah. if he's selected, he's on the bench and he's being injured and stuff like that. I mean, that was a disastrous window. January 2018, in fact, every single window at that time of year under Lee Johnson was a disaster. I mean, it was interesting. I read. I think it came up on Twitter the other day that Mark Ashton is already saying we're going to have another splurge in the transfer market up at uh, Ipswich. And there were, I think it was the local paper where he saying, seems that, or it might be Football League World, it was the article saying, seems bizarre because he'd already signed 20 players in the summer. So what's he going to go out doing some more? Guys, I, uh, I said, I've got, to, I've got to draw this uh, one to a close. We've had, a, we've had an interesting chat. I think we'll... You know, if there's any developments before the Blackburn game or anything breaks, I think it's worthwhile having another chat again then. Um, so I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave that. Well, my final question to both of you with brief answer. Uh, Ian, first, is Nigel going to be in charge for the Blackburn game? No. Dave. No. Next question. Do you think Nigel will be? Back from his recent illness before the turn before the transfer window opens. Ian, I've no idea. And no, the problem no, just, is, Dave. Yeah. The problem is no one knows. Not even Nigel. No. So that is an unanswerable. That's an unanswerable, unanswerable question. Would you agree with with Ian? So so you'd agree with Ian. Yeah. We can't answer it. But both of yeah. you are saying. He's not going to be sat in the dugout or in the director's box operating in a meaningful way by the time the uh, fixtures get back underway. Yeah? Yeah. No, I'd yeah be, let's, put, let's put it this way. You, you can never say never because we, we don't know the intimate details, Dave. No. But I would be, bet, let's put it this way. If I had to bet my house one way or the other, I'd bet that he wouldn't. Yeah. No, that's really interesting, guys. Well, look, thanks for your thanks for your contribution <laughs> today. I'm just going to finish now. But anybody who's listening, thanks for listening. And it could be that this little episode has been overtaken by, from events by the time I've uploaded it. I heard a robin this morning. I'm feeling happy today. Going to put my cares in a whistle, blow them all away. What if I've been unlucky? Really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy. 
as happy as a king when the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robins are bob, bob, bobbing along. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead, get up. Get up, get out of bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red, live, love, laugh and be happy, what if I've been blue, now I'm walking through fields of flowers, rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours, I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song, when the red, red robin starts bobbing along. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. All the McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.